welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you. As a reminder, you can watch this entire show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We have a lot to discuss on this week's show, including the 14 or is it the 12 best Vegas hotels, according to Forbes, the A's turning down a $1 deal for land at the Rio for their stadium, plus Rio's plan to build a Highline-like bridge to the Strip. We also discussed the opening dates for the expansion at Plaza, that carousel bar, smoke-free casino, and Paris is expanding with a new tower or a rebranded tower from Horseshoe. Plus, we talk MGM and Caesars earnings and more. So much on this show. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. If you enjoy this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out tremendously. Thanks for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark Circus Circus finally finished the paint job on the big top. You know, we gave him a little shade for stopping for a month or whatever. They finally found the paint and it looks glorious. Yeah, I don't know what the holdup was. Like, why did they take a break? Did they run out of magenta T-Mobile paint or, or what exactly happened there? But it's good to see it done. It looks so much better and they won't get all the shade on Twitter anymore. People taking pictures from their room of all the decrepit uh, peeling paint everywhere. Yeah, I feel like this is an upgrade for the people who stay at Resorts World with that North Strip view. Now they don't have to look down at that. But seriously, it looks absolutely wonderful. It just makes you wonder why they didn't do this before. And, you know, MGM owned it forever. Phil Ruffin's owned it for quite a few years now. Seems like it was a simple fix. Yeah, and, you know, you still feel for the Resorts World people that get the uh, dirt lot as their view. (laughs) (laughs) Forbes came out with their list of the 14 best Vegas hotels And uh, I agree with a lot that's on this list. I guess you don't. You know, it seems like they had to have a different hotel for each category, which was a little bit of a stretch. So they didn't overlap and you never got the same hotel in two categories. But let's start with uh, best luxury hotel in Las Vegas. Can we say that's a a stupid way to do it if that's what they were trying to do? Because if a hotel is the best in three places, you just put it in three places. Yeah, I I sort of agree there. Uh, But we'll we'll do the best overall for last because that's sort of a surprise, I think, probably for a lot of people, but best, best luxury hotel, win Las Vegas. I agree with that one. Yeah, I think they nailed that one. All right, so best new hotel, Resorts World. I don't feel like the competition was very, uh, there's not a lot of new hotels, so I feel like Resorts World had that one pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, because the Circa launched, what, like just before the calendar year swap, so I guess that's kind of what you're left with. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when the, the time frame was that they were uh, doing this, but yeah, depending on that, Resorts World might be the only option. Yeah, I'm assuming even if Circa was allowed, it would be Circa, Resorts World, and maybe Virgin. So uh, I could see Resorts World winning that. Uh, best hotel for couples, Waldorf Astoria. I actually agree with that. Great hotel for couples, great location. You know, you don't have to worry about all the casino. It's really close to the Strip, but you're right next to Aria. I like that one. Best boutique hotel, Nomad. It's good to see Nomad. We both love that hotel. It's good to see it getting some love on this list. Yeah, I thought that was a good uh, picture. Just the same with Waldorf. I thought that was kind of an under-the-radar pick that I thought was pretty good. And I agree, you know, it's kind of a sexier vibe and more uh, away from the Strip, even though it's right on the Strip. You kind of get away from everything if you want to be in, like, a stay-in-your-room type of situation. And, yeah, so th- so far, I mean, I was hating on it in the beginning, but so far they've been doing oh, pretty well. You're saving right, so all they the had, bad stuff for later. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a uh, best hotel to see and be seen. And then they also had a separate category, most glamorous hotel. The hotel to be to see and be seen was Cosmo, most glamorous Bellagio. Uh, I wouldn't put Bellagio on that list as most glamorous. I would probably put Cosmo 
But I feel like, uh, you know, Most like you said, they had a... Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Circa did win Best Downtown Hotel. So there it is on yeah, the list. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that this was the don't want to double up because Win would be, you know, the, the winner of that instead of Bellagio as well. And you could have it in both spots. I mean, it's kind of like an overlap. They, they seem very similar. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't put Bellagio anywhere near that. And we won't cover every single one, but uh, Best Family Friendly Hotel, Venetian Palazzo, I guess. I mean, I don't think they have the best pool area. There's better ones. I would probably say Mandalay Bay, purely for the pool, and they have the aquarium. They have a lot more to do there. But there is a lot. There's like Madame Tussauds. I, I really can't argue with that pick, but uh, I think their pool is a little weak for families there. And then Best Overall was Red Rock, which is a station wait, casino's wait. property. No, you left. You left the most important one okay. that I thought was the most ridiculous. Best location. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so Nobu. Read it uh, off. Yeah. Nobu at Which Caesars. is the worst location because nobody can find it in the dang hotel. Like, it's impossible to find. So I don't know if they mean, like, best location as in you feel like you survived a gauntlet when you actually get to your room or what? I like how in their article, I think they say that you enter like a Japanese portal to get to this hotel, but it really is just a desk in the elevator hallway. <laughs> like there's no lobby. It's really just a desk right there as you go to the elevators. But Worst I mean, it is good for experience. that. Product. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so Red Rock uh, is a beautiful casino resort. They've done a lot of renovations recently. Very desert themed. High end. The rooms are great. I don't know that I would call it the best hotel in Las Vegas. I would say by far Win is if you're talking about bigger hotels and then you can make arguments for places like Waldorf, uh, the Skylofts at MGM, uh, the Tower Suites at Win if you wanted to go smaller. But uh, they chose uh, they chose Red Rock. So Four yeah. Seasons is the best for business. So maybe again, like I feel like once they checked one off in a category, yeah. like they couldn't put it back in another category. So like by elimination, you get Red Rock, which is a great hotel. Yeah, I mean, I, if they said like best locals casino, Red Rock, I think would be a, a great choice for that. But best overall in Vegas just seems. They're like, oh, we already used Win. Can't Win should have been like three of these. And uh, Four Seasons is a weird choice for me for business. I guess it's super quiet, you know, kind of, but it's so remote and everything. I don't know that you're going to have like a, an easy way to go to meetings. And it, it, unless the conference is at Mandalay Bay, I, I just don't see that as best business hotel. Well, Fountain Blue maybe. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm not going to go into the Fountain Blue thing, but people still giving a shade in the comments for the way I say Fountain Blue. I just, I can't, I can't, I hope they're trolling because I can't believe it. All right. Speaking of, uh, let's do a little news here. We just hit 10 million views on the channel, which is really cool. And we just hit 39,000 subscribers. So we're hoping to go to 40K pretty soon. 60 to 70% of you guys who watch these videos do not subscribe. So we really would appreciate it if you subscribe to the channel, hit those thumbs up on the videos as we go. We don't usually say this in the middle of the show, but we do appreciate everybody who watches. And it was yeah, fun to hit that 10 million uh, view mark. Yeah, when do we get like a, a button or something cool that you can hang behind you? <laughs> we got to get to 100K subscribers, so we're, we're we on go. our way. 70% yeah. of you, then we can be there. Lickety split, there we go. let's go. Exactly. So I know you didn't want to talk about stadiums, but there wasn't more news about the A's ballpark and uh, a lot of uh, backlash now against this. We found out this week that the Rio owners, Dreamscape, offered them almost 30 acres on the backside of that property for a ballpark for a single dollar. And they turned it down in favor of the other site that they're buying. So uh, they basically said free isn't good enough. We want us, you know, we want the public to pay 500 million to finance the stadium, which includes significant land costs for the 50 acres that they're acquiring on Tropicana. 
And uh, there was a couple op-eds this week in Review Journal and the Nevada Independent basically saying Las Vegas doesn't need this team. We don't need to put up the money for it. There will be other investors coming in. Maybe Las Vegas deserves its own expansion team with its own name. And I'm sort of coming around to that view. I'm uh, I'm over this whole $500 million thing. Man, imagine if this plays out that way, that like Las Vegas already gave the middle finger to Oakland. <laughs> and then Vegas is like, we're not giving you money. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll figure it out, you know. So if they play hardball, I think that they the A's would just pony up the money because they're kind of, they made this bet now. So I would play hardball with them. And at least if they want $500 million, you know, the rumored belief of this uh, land purchase is $150 million. I'd take $150 million off the top, you know, regardless of what you come to because they could have had it for a dollar. So that's on them. You know, they should pay that that bit. But, you know, they've, they've talked about 400,000 people coming to see the A's. No, that's not, there's not going to be new visitors. Most of the visitors that go to the game will probably be already were going to Vegas or something. Maybe a few will plan their trip around when their team's in town versus later in the year. But it's not like it's going to be 400,000 unique visitors that weren't going to go to Vegas anyway. So that number's inflated. It's not going to bring a ton of jobs. You know, I, I just think it's a bad, bad decision to give them any money, much less the owner's cheap anyway, so make them pay. Yeah, he fields the lowest payroll in all of Major League Baseball. Um, basically, he took a winning team when he bought it, and now they have among the worst records. I think last year they had the worst record in the league. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot there, and uh, we have need for that money here in Las Vegas. Our schools really need it. Our roads really need it. If we're going to raise taxes and and do this, we really need the money. And I, I don't think that we need the A's that bad. And I think they may have overplayed their hand, right? They basically burned their bridges in Oakland. So they really only have Las Vegas as an option. So we need to start negotiating instead of doing whatever they say. Yeah, that's why it's so weird that they came out and announced all this without having all that hammered out. You know, so uh, if I was Vegas, let's say, no, you're not getting anything. Like, there you go. We'll buy that land for a dollar for you and we'll donate that to you. That's what I... That's what I'd come up and say. That shows you how desperate Dreamscape was to get that stadium at the Rio site, uh, just basically giving up like a third of their property there for free, uh, which, you know, would have been a great thing. I do think the Tropicana site is better. I won't say it's not uh, because they can build a bridge directly from T-Mobile Arena to where the new stadium is. And then that brings you into the park district. And so they can kind of create more synergy, whereas the Rio site would be further away from the strip and it's not as well to connect that. So I see that point, but again, we don't need to pay $500 million. And I, it's good to see some media kind of stepping up against it. When it's in the review journal, then you know that there's definitely some interest uh, behind that. Yeah, we'll put a link to both the op-eds down in the description, plus the news on the dollar uh, sale, so you guys can read up more on that. The Las Vegas Aces, the team that won the first major league championship uh, in Las Vegas history, uh, yeah, all you haters down in the comments right now, uh, they unveiled their new headquarters, which, I mean, if that's not a major league headquarters, I don't know what it is. I mean, it, it looks uh, fantastic. And I love that room where they have like that viewing room with that big white sofa, like the court looks great. Everything look, it looks very Raiders-like because they have the same owners, Yeah, but uh, black and you know, say, silver and white. It looked a lot like the facility when you uh, showed pictures and stuff from your visit to the, the Raiders practice facility. Very similar. It looks very, you know, it fit in with an NBA team or anything else. So they definitely went all out for it, which is good. A little bit surprising. Like I didn't expect it to be that nice. Uh, so it's cool to see, but it, it looks a lot like the Raiders facility. He's like, you know what? We already got the leftover paint and everything and furniture. Let's just take it over there and do the same thing. But it's good to see uh, them getting some love, especially having 
won the championship last year. So Mark, uh, we we have to do another pro- public service announcement. If a lady wants to go to your room, uh, you know, hide your valuables okay. or don't have valuables or whatever. Another uh, lady who, uh, the, quote unquote, in the review journal said was possibly a prostitute. Lady I don't want to accuse her of anything. Yeah, uh, she stole one hundred and three thousand dollars. Okay, lady of the night. Sorry, <laughs> I missed the memo on that. Uh, she stole one hundred and three thousand dollars from this guy. Apparently, he met her down in the MGM Grand Casino. Uh, he had won 103000 had it in a duffel bag, texted her later to meet up. I guess there was no rooms at MGM Grand, so they get a room at Tropicana. Uh, yeah, at one point, he had to leave the room, and uh, he was going to take the duffel bag with him. The, the lady of the night said, well, you don't trust me? And then she gave him a hard time about it, so he trusted her, went and took a shower, and of course, you know what happened next. She took the bag. This, this blows my mind in so many ways. One, why are all these stupid people winning money? <laughs> I don't understand. You know, take the bag. Like, how does she even know you have the bag in the first place? Was she standing there when you won? That should be a red light right there. That as soon as you win this big jackpot or whatever it is, and and they see you get this money, that they come rushing over and like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, okay, they know what's going down. So take, who cares if you uh, offend them? You take your money and you secure it. But why why aren't you getting like a cashier check or something? Can't we do that at uh, casinos? I don't understand why you'd want a duffel bag full of cash. It just blows my mind. Yeah, that's like the most cliche thing ever, right? Carrying around a duffel bag full of cash, going to the cage. And, oh, give me, you know, $100 bills. Give me stacks of it. Uh, you know, makes you wonder if he was flaunting it or or what. Uh, obviously, nobody deserves to get their money stolen. But he made some bad decisions leading up to that. She was arrested. So she is allegedly, uh, she allegedly committed this crime. We don't uh, know she's innocent until proven guilty. And and this is where I think greed gets in the way, because a lot of these, stu- I think a lot of this stuff happens and they get robbed and they don't report it because, you know, they have a, a home life or whatever. They don't want it to, to make it a big deal. So if they just, t- if she would have taken like 10 or 20 grand, he might have just said, you know what, it's not worth the embarrassment and let it roll. But the fact that she took the whole bag, it's like, come on, if you're be a little smarter, take just like a stack, one stack and get out of there. <laughs> All right. Uh, we learned the opening dates of all the plaza expansion. Like I'm rolling on, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from this. Uh, so you know they're building their new carousel bar, their non-smoking casino, a patio for Oscars. They have the pink box donuts, and June 8th to 10th will be the grand opening of all of this. But the offerings are actually going to come online before then. The carousel bar opens May 15th. Pink box donuts the same day, May 15th. The smoke-free casino on June 1st, as well as Oscars patio on June 1st. So all of those renovations at Plaza coming to an end now in the next few weeks. And then you will have uh, that glorious carousel bar right at the end yes. of Fremont street. I think that's going to be amazing looking, especially the, you know, the, the way it's set up to, to the end of the strip of Fremont. And it's just like sitting right there. It's going to be an attention grabber and kind of draw people down. I think it's a brilliant idea. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I love carousel bars and this is like the best location ever for one. So I'm excited for that. The donut, you know, whatever, Oscars, it's cool to have some more space. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that too. But, you know, smoke-free casino, whatever. Uh, So (laughs) Carousel Bar, number one. Hating on Pink Box, huh? The homegrown. Pink Box are good, but they're a little overrated. I will say they're a little little overrated, but uh, good overall, just uh, not compared to some other donuts. All right, and the big news of the week, we talked on the last show about the rumor that one of the towers at Horseshoe, the former Bally's, the Jubilee Tower, was going to become part of Paris. Some people didn't believe it. But uh, yeah, it's now official. Caesars has come out and said that they're going to do this. And uh, this is going to add almost 800 rooms to Paris. And uh, they are basically going to Frenchify up 
the Jubilee Tower. They did say they're going to spend $100 million on renovations. They're adding balconies to the end. You know, when I talked about the stairwell last time, I didn't even think the end rooms, you could just cut a balcony there. That's what they're going to do. So some of the rooms will have Bellagio fountain views. And uh, we see some renderings of this. I'm very mixed. I don't know how this is actually going to look in person, if it's going to look right or not. Some renderings, it looks good. Some I'm a little bit hesitant on. They also showed what the rooms will look like. They're going to get a full renovation. They don't feel very Parisian to me, but I guess $100 million invested is very good. Now we just need them to paint the balloon outside Paris. Yeah, I hope that's in the budget. Uh, but the rooms, I, I will say that, yeah, they don't have quite the the Paris over-the-top touches that the rooms in the the main tower do in, in the current rooms. But I do think they look very nice. They almost look a little bit of a mix of like Paris and Bellagio. I think they're there's keeping with that cool colors uh, theme, like, you know, good lines, all that stuff modern. So I really do like the look of it. It definitely would be a step up from Bally's, uh, you know, so I'm hoping it all works out, but I think this is a great move by them. And, and this is something we both agreed on that we thought they would do. And it makes too much sense. Yeah. The architecture is a little different and that's where I'm kind of interested to see the, the meld there because the other Bally's slash horseshoe tower uh, you know, has very similar architecture. So they're adding a cap on the top to sort of match Paris. They're adding some other, you know, decorative trinkets here and there. They're also building that pedestrian bridge, which will connect. And Vital Vegas had the kind of break on that story. They file these plans with the county. So uh, you'll be able to cross over and then there'll be a connection to the pool area and then uh, escalator and elevator down to the casino. One other thing that we should consider here is the pool at Paris isn't huge. And now you're adding another 800 rooms without adding any more capacity to the amenities at the casino. So uh, I guess this is good if you're staying at Horseshoe, less people in the pool area, less people using those amenities. But at Paris, you're going to have almost 800 rooms more people using what was, uh, you know, basically designed for a little less than 3,000. Now you're getting higher. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big bathtub. Yeah, it really is. It's it's not the most exciting pool area. You know, maybe they'll do what they'll do is give access to either pool area. I think that would be a good workaround and, and an easy fix and, you know, give people options and then maybe it'll work itself out that way. But yeah, the pool area is a bit tight. And I mean, it's never been the best pool area because half the day it's blocked by, you know, the Eiffel Tower and you're getting shade in certain areas, which I'm sure some people do like to get out of the sun, but other people are annoyed by. So it's never been like a hot spot to me. So I think it'll work out. And geographically, the Jubilee Tower is much closer to the Paris pool than it actually is to the Horseshoe pool. So uh, this will actually be very, very close to the pool area. So an upgrade for those rooms there. So why are they doing this? Most likely because Paris is a higher end property within their portfolio. I would say Horseshoe kind of is their lower tier or among their lower tier properties. So this is hopefully a way for them to renovate the rooms, get higher room rates, and associate that tower with a property that will get higher uh, yields. And I'm guessing that these rooms will probably be their starter rooms or among their starter rooms, although they're bigger than the very small rooms in Paris at 436 square feet. So a little bit of an upgrade there. Obviously, they're adding these 55 square foot balconies to a handful of rooms, only the rooms that are right on the end of the tower. Somebody speculated, why would they do this? Could they potentially be trying to sell Horseshoe and get this tower off of that? I'm a little skeptical about that because they've spent a lot of money redeveloping Horseshoe as well. Um, but maybe this is just their way to kind of shift the portfolio. And over time, getting even 10 or 20% higher room rates is, uh, you know, probably worth it for them. Yeah, for sure. You know, $100 million you'll get back in a, a decent amount of time if you're if you're able to up the room rates that you're getting and book out uh, more often than you would at 
uh, horseshoe. I keep wanting to say ballets, but <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. You know, they're redeveloping the front of horseshoe and all that. And, you know, they just rebranded everything. So I don't see that being an option to sell. It, it just wouldn't make sense to me. Um, so I think it's just, you know, a long-term play and I think it's a smart one. You know, we don't say that much about Caesars and uh, <laughs> their properties. So kudos to them. I think this was a good decision. So, Mark, there is a big conspiracy happening in Las Vegas. On the last show, we talked about the 14 best hotels, according to Forbes. And then overnight, it became the 12 best hotels. They completely eliminated Red Rock as the best overall hotel and Resorts World as the best new hotel. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Obviously, they watch MTM Vegas and they're like, wow, those guys nailed it. We we really shouldn't have put these so high. I don't know. That's pretty bizarre. Yeah, the whole thing is strange. You know, there's conspiracy theories all around. Everybody thinks the fix is in. No, the check, actually the checks bounced, you know, because it's all PR. (laughs) So this was earnings week and MGM and Caesars both released their earnings. We'll talk about some of the key takeaways. We don't dive deep into the numbers here on MTM Vegas, but there were some interesting takeaways. So we'll start with MGM and we'll do Caesars a little bit later in the show. But uh, MGM says occupancy was 92% in the first quarter, average daily rate $258. Now it was 78% last year, so it's a huge increase there. Their margins were up to 38.4% compared to 35%. Basically, kind of mirrors the numbers we saw from the LVCVA. Slot wins are up. Table game wins are up. MGM doing well. They also said that their China segment's recovering. Talked about Osaka. But when it comes to Vegas, everything's on the up and up. Yeah, 92% like anywhere is just mind-boggling to me to to have, you know, midweek and everything to, to have that kind of occupancy. And it, it isn't like they've been rolling out crazy amount of comp offers that I've seen or or heard about. So it's not like they're filling backfilling these rooms with a ton of comp people. Uh, at least it doesn't seem that way. So it's just, it's impressive one that they're getting these rates and two at that kind of, uh, you know, occupancy level is just crazy. Yeah, it absolutely is. And we'll see Caesars did even better when we talk about them, but back to MGM, a few other things, of guidance, they said, New York, New York is getting new restaurants. That's according to Mark Meltzer. And they also said, there's no timeline for the Cosmo MGM rewards integration. We had thought it was going to happen in April based on some guidance. And then uh, now it's just no time frame. So I wonder if they're having a problem integrating them, or maybe they feel like identity is doing well on its own. It's a strange thing because it doesn't seem like it should take that long to move Cosmo over to MGM Rewards. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. Because, I mean, you look at Hard Rock and they take over the Mirage and day one, they have their rewards program in place. So I don't, they must think there's some type of competitive advantage to having these two separate uh, entities set up right now because I wouldn't think it would be that hard to just roll it in. You already have it built out. You know, you've done this before. You've taken over other properties. Other people have done it in a timely manner. So that there must be some other reason that they can make money off of it, keeping them both going. Yeah. And again, this is good news for identity members. Identity has been a little bit more generous over the years with comps. And I'm sure the people who really are invested in MGM rewards are chomping at the bit to be able to book Cosmo, which, you know, we believe is, or I certainly believe is the best MGM property now that they own it. Uh, I think it's I don't want to say miles above Bellagio, but I think it's certainly above Bellagio and Aria and the others. So people probably want those comps. So hopefully they'll have some good news, but they said nothing about that. And now let's talk about the hotel that I don't want to name Mark anymore because I'm tired of naming this hotel. 
the FB. I'm going to call it the FB from now on because <laughs> that's the, the those are the letters on the uh, on the tower so that people can't keep saying I say it wrong even though I'm saying it right. Uh, they did announce when they're going to open. Kind of. They said that they will open in December of 2023. This means that they're going to miss the big Formula One race, which I'm sure is painful for them. Uh, and they also launched a careers website. So uh, you can go check that out, careers.fountainbluelasvegas.com. Darn, I had to say it. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, good news, I guess. We're finally going to get that big blue building open. Yeah, I'm really shocked that they're not, you know, even partially opening for F1. Just, you know, even if you're opening up certain floors, something along those lines. So they just must be nowhere near ready. And that makes me wonder if you're not able to do a, even a soft opening or just like a casino floor opening, you know, are they going to make that December date? Is that going to get bumped back? I really hope it's, you know, early December so I can check it out when I'm there. <laughs> Watch, it'll be like the week after I go. So I'll be chomping at the bit to fly back and have to go back in like January or something. But hopefully it comes out on time. I'm just really surprised they couldn't push, uh, you know, at least part of it through for the race. Yeah, we saw Circa kind of do that, right? They opened their casino first and then their hotel later. And uh, it would be sort of a boom for them to get that open in time for Formula One, but being realistic now. So they're not committing to a date, but at least we know it's going to open in December. And we shared that picture a couple of shows ago of what it looks like on the inside, or at least partially. I can't wait until they open the doors and we can call the front desk and ask them how to say the dang name. <laughs> or we could just call the property in Miami, which has been open since 1954 with That's that name. <laughs> now off to Henderson, and the city of Henderson actually annexed about 300 acres in the El Dorado Valley. That's the land between Henderson and Boulder City, so they're kind of filling that out. But at the same city council meeting, they approved Inspirata Station, and uh, basically they needed to make some zoning changes, and there's a land sale where they're selling land to Red Rock Resorts for the parking garage. That should be the next Station Casinos or Red Rock Resorts property after Durango. Uh, up on, coming up on the channel in the next couple weeks, I'll have a lot of footage. I was out there at Durango. It's looking good. It's progressing along nicely. Inspirata Station looks like it'll be a nice high-end area. And uh, the location's a little weird because they've done weird things with the streets in Inspirata. But I think it'll be popular there as that area continues to grow like crazy. And as a reminder, the M Resort also has announced by the end of this year that they will start construction on their second tower. So uh, things looking up out there. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, the the new one's going to have 600 rooms, I believe, if I remember right what I read. And just all these rooms that are going to locals casinos, it's kind of mind boggling that they're able to fill them to a, a level that makes sense to, to continue to build them. So I don't know if it's, you know, people coming from other parts of Nevada or people visiting, you know, family in the area, or if it's just like a staycation that's filling these rooms. But I, I, I don't get it. It just, it seems, you know, 600 more rooms added, new tower at M Resort. I don't know how they're going to fill them. Well, that area is uh, booming and there's a lot of people living there. And, you know, M Resort is a good location for people driving in. It's also the Raiders official hotel and the Raiders headquarters are right next door. So it's just an area that's probably growing faster than any other area of the valley. And it didn't really have that. We do have locals casinos, things like Red Rock up in Summerlin, Aliante up in the north, uh, other casinos around town, you know, down in the, you have Sunset Station and the whole Boulder Strip. So there are rooms all around town in sort of local areas. 
in this area just is newer and it just booms. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's good to see them moving into that area. I think people, for the most part, are excited about it. You know, it's going to bring things like movie theaters, I think a bowling alley as well. So some other stuff in addition to the casino. And we know that Red Rock Resorts is moving towards the high end with their properties. That's why they got rid of Fiestas and Texas Station. And what they're building is those smaller wildfire casinos like the new one on Fremont Street. And then their big casinos are going to be higher end like their Green Valley Ranch in Red Rock. So you can expect nice things here. And just from what Durango looks like right now, that's going to compete with those other high-end casinos as well. It looks really great. And the architecture is great. And uh, the traffic out there on Durango, I don't want to spoil too much because I'll talk about it on a future show. It's getting rough out there uh, where Durango Station is and that new Uncommons where the DraftKings uh, headquarters is. Uh, I'll, I'll cover all that on another show, but good to see they're moving along with that. Did you see that the old, I'm going to say this wrong, Ariel? the old Charlie Palmer restaurant at Mandalay Bay. That's famous because it had that wine tower as you sort of entered with 10,000 bottles of wine. It had been there for almost 20 years and it closed recently and it's being replaced by Retro by the Voltaggio Brothers. And this is sort of like, as you might expect, a retro restaurant. Everything retro is in and they're serving sort of like old classic dishes served in like a retro style, like casseroles and things like that. Very strange. But uh, the one thing that was interesting in this Eater article, it's on a one-year residency. When did ho- when did restaurants become residencies? Uh, this this term is spreading uh, like wildfire. Yeah, I noticed that too, that they a one-year residency. It, it kind of boggled my mind with how in love with residencies Vegas is. Uh, right now these days with X and now restaurants so but I, I mean I I like the concept it's kind of unique something a little different that you're getting high-end food but served in a way that makes you feel like you're a kid again I guess I don't know it, it's kind of unique something different but for a year maybe it's just like they're saying at least a year to build up hype and they'll stay longer or maybe they'll kind of retrofit everything after that it just seemed like you're putting a lot of time and effort into branding this to, for it only for 12 months I don't know no matter what they do that wine tower looks completely different different with all those retro items it completely like changes the feel of that space which you know felt so i never ate there but it felt like so high-end as you sort of descended down into the restaurant with all those bottles of wine and now it feels like a whole different place although the food looks good in that sort of uh fancy not fancy kind of way you know i don't know how to describe it did you see that rio uh the owner dreamscape they confirmed a few things this week they obviously confirmed that they had offered the 22 acre site at the back of rio to the a's for a dollar Uh, And as part of that, they wanted to build this pedestrian bridge over the freeway. And they've said that they are planning to do that anyway. And they're really kind of modeling it after the High Line in New York City, which is that beautiful park trail that follows the old railroad tracks down in Manhattan. And it's a great thing. I really love it. I've been on the High Line quite a few times. There's a couple other things there. They said that they plan to take full control of Rio by the fourth quarter pending gaming approval and that they've already started uh, renovations on some things like the buffet, as we've talked about on previous shows. The funny thing is it says the closed areas are not interfering with the guest experience, according to Dreamscape, because I I don't know what would interfere with the guest experience. It's so poor at this point. But I like that Dreamscape is thinking different. I like this proposal. And I think this is a sign of what happens when you have developers and companies from outside Las Vegas come in, you get new concepts and building a high line over the freeway, connecting Caesars Palace to Rio is a great idea. Yeah, I mean, they need to get some pillows. There's number one for the uh, customer experience. But I I like the idea. I mean, I've been on the high line in, in New York quite a few times and it's cool, but but they repurposed something that was already there. So I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical that this gets built because it seems like 
a lot of, uh, you know, starting from scratch, a lot of money, a lot of investment, a lot of time uh, to get that walkway built up. I think it would be really cool to have. It, they'd have to cover it somehow because uh, peak summer, nobody's going to be walking on that thing unless you have shade built in uh, some way along it. But another dagger through the heart for the A's uh, to be beloved by the city that they turned down the dollar first and then they were to have a way for people to walk from the strip to the games, which, it, you know, was probably one of the issues they were thinking about for that area. So just another reason to hate on the A's, right? Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are hating on them these days. There's news that that $500 million bill where they want to basically get sales tax revenue and revenue generated from their stadium district back to back their $500 million in bonds. That's the public financing aspect. It hasn't been uh, introduced in the state legislature. They're running out of time. I think they have about 40 days before the session is over. So uh, we'll continue to, to look at that. A lot of backlash coming, but a lot of people called us out for not properly saying how the public financing was in the last show, but it's still public financing. They're still taking those taxes away. That land could be used for other things, which will generate taxes, which will go to the local community where they want it all going back to them. So uh, that's basically how it's going to work. Now, speaking of not public financing, Vegas Loop once again expanded their map. Now, they only have, what, four stations at this point? And it seems like every couple of months they keep expanding, even though they haven't really started building much. The Westgate station is under construction. Encore scheduled to start construction soon. And then as of now, only the Resorts World and the three Las Vegas Convention Center stations are open, but they are now expanding up to 69 stations. And the good news is the Clark County Commission approved this, and they approved 25 additional miles of tunnels. This is actually good. It'll give the system more redundancy and probably less chance of traffic jams. And if they have to take a tunnel offline for maintenance, you'll have alternate routes. So it seems like it's a better solution. Boring is paying for all of this. The casinos and the station owners pay for that part of it. So it's not public financing. So I fully support this. I think we're going to get some version of it, but it's been a few years now since the convention center opened. So they, they really got to get moving on it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, the Vegas is just going to be a system of tunnels that people live in uh, pretty soon here. It's crazy how much they're adding. It's basically like double the amount of mileage in just 18 more stations. But like you said, redundancy is a big key. I mean, how annoying would it be you get off the streets, you go into these tunnels to try to beat traffic, and you get stuck in like a traffic jam down there for, <laughs> for an hour or something. So they definitely need it. You know, you have to have different options in case something goes wrong. So I see why they're building it out. I just, you know, how long is this going to take? It seems like it's moving slowly at a glacial pace. Hopefully we get there. I don't know. Yeah, the original system was supposed to have automated vehicles, bigger vehicles. And, you know, they said the tech wasn't ready when they opened it. But here we are several years later. We're not hearing anything new. So it's still just going to be Teslas and tunnels. You wonder, you know, if the future will bring larger vehicles and what that possibly could be. But for now, it's just basically an underground taxi system. They did say some sample fares, which, you know, I'll take this with a grain of salt. We'll see what the actual fares are when they actually build this out. But they said from the airport to the convention center, 4.9 miles would take you five minutes. That'll cost $10. Convention center to downtown, 3.6 miles would cost you $6. And the only other thing to know about this is this was approved by the county commission. There are other stations in Las Vegas that need to be approved by the city of Las Vegas, but might, most likely that's going to happen. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I want to see like a good group of these main tunnels start getting dug so that we can actually get a system because right now it's basically just serving the convention center and those expansions at Westgate and Encore, same thing. They're just cutting into the convention center. So it's not really what they think it is, but you know, they're paying for it. So I hope it works. Yeah. I mean, it's a wait and see approach right now. I, I don't 
think that those prices uh, or the time is going to be accurate, uh, but we can hope. We can hope and we can dream. And hoping and dreaming. That's what Caesars did. That's what El Dorado did when they bought Caesars. And there's some good news for them. We talked about MGM 92% occupancy in the first quarter. Well, Caesars 95% occupancy in the first quarter versus 83% last year. 21% of their rooms were occupied by convention attendees. And their same store, EBITDA, was up to $958 million from $296 million last year. They said their average customer is more affluent, spending more money. And what was really interesting is they talked about what their assets were doing before they bought the company and merged with Eldorado Resorts. The EBITDA was $2.9 billion for those assets before the merger. That same, those same assets are generating $4 billion. That just shows you how well they are doing. They also paid off the loan on the Caesars Forum to save on interest. So, you know, it's a lot of spin, but it seems like they are doing pretty well. Yeah, now put some money back into your product. Like, let's let's update some things and, you know, keep the, the front-facing areas looking good, uh, clean them up. If Circus Circus can do it, you can do it too, Caesars. And there was a little news about the Versailles Tower at Paris. Obviously, before the earnings, a couple of days, they announced that. We talked all about it on the last show. So if you want to see the renderings and everything else and all of the details, check that out. But as we speculated, the reason that they are taking that old Jubilee Tower from Horseshoe, moving it into Paris, is room rates. They said Paris, with all the investment they made with the new restaurants and all of the new public areas, is just doing really well. Room rates are up there, and they think that over time they'll be able to do really well with increased room rates in this property. Plus, adding the Bellagio Fountain Views said that that's going to be one of their best room products in the entire portfolio in Las Vegas. They're really uh, bullish on that move. Also said that they're going to add some new restaurants to Flamingo's Frontage, but don't expect much else beyond that in the near future as far as what they're doing. And like you said, hopefully they throw some paint on some of the buildings and Paris is balloon and some of the maintenance that hasn't been so well done over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's desperately needed. And I'd, lo- I'd love to see some of the older properties like Flamingo get a- get some refresh, get some new dining options in there. It's all been there forever and-, and older. So reinvest some of these pot full of money that you're getting from people. Like, you know, give us a reason to keep coming back. And the last little bit from their earnings call that I kind of picked out was that their promo as a percent of handle Basically, what they're spending out on comps and stuff was 1.25%, which they say is dramatically lower than their peers. So if you think Caesars Rewards has been less rewarding lately, this seems to indicate that. Although, you know, as you see by their occupancy rate, they're not struggling to get people in. So why would they pay out more money in comps? But just the reality that as room rates rise, as these hotels are fuller, you're going to get less you know, generous offers. And uh, I'm staying here at Wynn and the cash rates, man, are just incredibly crazy. I got four free nights here from doing that status match at Oceans in Atlantic City. The cash rate for the four nights I'm here, $3,500. Uh, so I, I'm enjoying it, but I would never spend that uh, to stay here. But we'll have more on win too in a couple of weeks. I'll have all, all about my stay, which I've enjoyed. As people know, that's my favorite hotel here. But don't expect generous comps anymore unless the economy tanks or something and people stop coming. Yeah, and I used to love Caesars uh, program and the comps, and they were just overly generous, you know, 10 years ago, and it's uh, chipped away to where it's basically nothing for most uh, mid-level to below players. In uh, in that we should notate that those win rates are for like midweek, so it's just extra insane when you when you throw that in there. Yeah, it's uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and it does do Cinco de Mayo, and there was a big conference here this week, so that's part of it. But uh, I think the cheapest night was about four hundred dollars. The most expensive was twelve hundred, and then there were a couple in between. 
Uh, but uh, I, yeah, it's uh, it, it's mind blowing how much it costs to stay in some of these places. On a side note, as we go, I did film some rooms. I filmed the room at Harrah's, New York, New York this week. I was down on the South Strip. So I have a lot of updates coming in the next couple of weeks outside of our normal stuff. So I look forward to all of that. Plus, like I said, talking about my stay at Wynn and why it is the best hotel in Las Vegas. And, you know, just going down to the Center Strip yesterday to the Harrah's area and that whole area and then coming back to Wynn, it's just so nice and calm up here. It's like a nice respite away from the madness. And uh, I do love it for that. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of that stuff. My favorite tacos on the North Strip. I finally ch- tried uh, Pizza Cake as well. I have a lot to say about their pizza and you know a lot of updates from the South Strip. So look forward to that coming in the next couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MTM Vegas podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories and mtmvegas.com for all of our Vegas content. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.